Believe it or not, hunting season is right around the corner. The Labor Day weekend won't be too far away. It's going to bring opening day of dove season, and many Carolinians are excitedly preparing for a day in the dove field with friends, family, food, and the flying dove. Bill Barty, Wes Lawson, here on the Carolina Outdoors. We come in each week, break down four different segments for your outdoor listening pleasure, and Another happening that is occurring for a lot of folks is preparation for a hunting trip out west. But how does preparation for that work? We're going to find out as Utah, Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, and more are the home of some fantastic whitetail, mule deer, and elk hunting. Woo, easy for me to say. David Gaskins is one of those people. He's heading out to help uh, guide, host, and lead people on hunts. For all of those species, and we're going to find out what it takes to get ready for those types of trips. David Gaskins, welcome to the Carolina Outdoors. Thank you, guys. Glad to be here. So, David, jump right in and tell us here at the front end of, I guess, the front end of bow season starting out here in September. You are a a, a local man getting ready for this type of trip. Um, What does it take to prepare? Well... I guess the the two major things would probably be to, if you're going archery hunting, just make sure you've shot all summer, you know, make sure you're on target. Uh, You don't want to go spend all that money and then, you know, blow a bad shot. It happens, but you do all you can do to try to prevent it. And I guess the major thing that I have the most trouble with is at the higher elevation, you can't take three steps out of there, out there without getting out of breath. Ah, yeah. So not as much oxygen at that high level. <laughs> what, no, uh, that the was place gonna... there, Sundance is five thousand, I think, five thousand three hundred feet. And man, you can tell the difference. And I would, if I had to say any one thing, I would say make sure you got a little bit of cardio and you're you're in shape a little bit. Well, and I think with that too, with that cardio and that altitude, uh, really trim down what you're carrying on your person, make things a little bit easier. So, Dave, let, let's talk about this for a minute. You said Sundance, so we're talking about kind of that northeastern corner of Wyoming between the Black Hills and the High Plains. It is not the kind of terrain some people think of. A lot of our folks may know of Jackson Hole there in the Grand Tetons, but this part of Wyoming is uh, a sharp contrast between some hill and dale, some deep canyon, uh, some alpine forest. It's a real mixed bag of really incredible terrain, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. It's got, uh, you can go from your Ponderosa pine forest, you know, to the high desert plains, I mean, in a in hundred yards. It, it changes that rapidly where you're one time you're walking around in the in the pines and then, you, you know, you might go a hundred yards and look off a hill and you can see for 250 miles. It's it's one of the, the neatest things I've ever been a part of. And if you can see that far, some of those animals can see that far, or in some cases, like antelope, they can see even farther. Isn't that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They say uh, they say antelope have eight-power vision, just just that the eyesight is eight-power, and they can. They can spot you. It seems like you would be somewhere, and you'd be thinking, there's no way they're going to see me, and then they'll all see, and they'll be gone. And there's really nowhere to hide, whereas here, you know, we have these this great Piedmont area where we can get in the deer blind, we can hide in some trees. That's a little bit harder out there. How is the hunting taking place? Are you are you in ground blinds? Are you stalking? What's the day look like for one of your clients? 
the antelope hunting is uh, over water hole out of ground blind sometimes, and sometimes you spot and stalk antelope. <clears throat> and there's a real fun deal. They will not look at a horse hardly twice. And you can put two people behind a horse and just about walk up to an antelope and, and get an archery shot on it. It's actually pretty neat. Um, the mule deer is mostly spot and stalk. There's probably probably the harder harder to kill spot and stalk is the mule deer because you're just out in the wide open. You have to really use your terrain, you know, and try to really, really pay attention to what you're doing. Hey, David, tell us about that. Speaking of horseback, because uh, we've already mentioned hiking, being on foot because of the rough terrain, of course, you have to deal with the altitude at that. Are you using horses? Are you using side-by-sides? Are you using a truck? Or is it hoofing? Or is it some mixture of all four of those? They're, it's a mixture of all four. They're in the Black Hills uh, where we mainly whitetail hunt and turkey hunt. We use side-by-sides and four-wheelers just because you can. Now, out in the National Forest, out in the Big Elk country and the Mule Deer country, a uh, lot of horseback riding. You can get a truck to the trailhead, and then you might ride, you know, seven, eight hours to get to some of those pack camps to where they start hunting. So you just sort of uh, broke things down in a way that I think a lot of folks don't really understand in that um, this is not like a Disney cartoon where all these wild creatures live together. There are altitudes and terrains where moose and elk are, and bear are more active, where mule deer or whitetail or antelope are what is that what is sort of that definition of terrain as far as this is where we're going to see antelope this is where we're going to see elk the the antelope like it they love to be able to see they want to be able to see as far as they can see so the antelope are 99 times out of 100 are out in the open seems like the elk want to be up in the edge of the tree line uh they'll come out in the evenings to feed in the meadows and places where there's food but they want to be undercover too um, and it's like I say, it's, it's just a different terrain out west because you can have places where it's open for miles and miles. And then, you know, you'll have a walk over a hill and there'll be a place where there's four or five, six hundred acres of ponderosa pine. So it's a it's a it's a vast difference between the terrain. But the elk, I would say, probably want to be, you know, undercover most of the time. They don't really like to be out in the wide open like the antelope do. So for your clients or hunters who are, are most successful, what does it take to differentiate a successful hunter or hunt versus an average or even one with, with no success? What what are the best things to do other than some cardio and practicing? What really sets people apart? Uh, I would say to have a successful hunt, you know, you can do it yourself. Um it's it is so much easier to go with a reputable reputable outfitter. Um, I mean, just because they got guys there all the time, they know where the game is, they know where they live, they know the feed routes they travel, they know where the water is. You know, you don't and and just this is just my opinion. Uh, you don't want to spend four to eight ten thousand dollars to go on a just say an elk hunt, and then you go just kind of shooting it in the dark and not even see an elk the whole time you're there. That's why I would say just probably a reputable outfitter would be my advice on that. Hey, we've got David Gaskins on the Carolina Outdoors with Wes Lawson and Bill Barty. We're learning a little bit about preparing for the upcoming Western hunting season, and we're talking to David a little bit about that. David, piggybacking what you're talking about, having people out there, um, 
if you go with an outfitter, a reputable outfitter, somebody you can make contact with, they help provide the tags. Otherwise, you many times are in a lottery um, hoping to get a certain tag. Am I right yeah. about that? Yeah. And uh, the thing, too, uh, most of the western states are draw are draw states, and you'll, mm-hmm. you have to have some points and this and that. But, um, you know, the, the recommendation from me would be to find you a reputable, reputable outfitter before you ever buy your first point. Um, that way you kind of know what you're getting into. The outfitters are super good at organizing you and getting you the points you need, you know, and they do some stuff that, that you as a hunter can't do because, you know, they're an outfitter. They know all the ins and outs. So I would probably say to, to go with a reputable outfitter before you ever try to buy your first point anywhere. Oh, that sounds like good advice. Now, that, these are things that we as a hunter preparing for a trip like this can control. One of the things that we can't control, and it's been in the news the past year, two, or three in these western states, is weather. Uh, whether it be low water, whether it be fire, whether it be uh, you, you know smoke carrying over from the west, whether it be drought, Um what do your people say out there, David, as you prepare to travel out there yourself for the hunting season? What are people saying about the effects of that western weather on the animals and their habits? Well, they just had a big fire there kind of southeast of Sundance and uh, burned, I think, about 6,000 acres. And they said they'd run all the elk over to a different area. So you'll have problems like that. All that western climate seem like it's pretty dry you know they'll have they'll have pretty wet summers and springs then about this time of year it turns off dry and you hunt you know you have to be around the water holes and kind of be smart about it but just if y'all got time i'll tell you a quick story i was hunting one time there archery bow hunting and it come up the most horrible thunderstorm i had ever been in and a farmer had an upside down water tank and i got out of the tree and got up under that water tank until my guide come and got me because it was lightning so bad I was scared to stay in the tree. That's probably a good thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> he said he couldn't find me when he got there. I, I heard him riding around, and I popped up under that water tank. He, he didn't know what to think. <laughs> well, that's that's an easy uh, lead-in from my next thing. Because, listen, bow hunting has had a huge growth curve. And, of course, hunters have been utilizing bows for, I don't know, thousands of years. But um, in, in modern times, in the past 30 years, bow hunting, I guess, advent of technology and interest has really expanded. Will you tell our listeners out there in the Carolina outdoor world the different demands on a hunter um, when they're using a bow versus when rifle season comes into play? Yeah, you know, bow hunting, you just got to be closer. Most people want to be within 40 yards in. Um, you know, crossbows has got real popular. Um, I'm, I'm always say, I've always said, uh, you know, a lot of people don't like different stuff for that, but, you know, to each of its own. If you can get out there and kill a deer with any piece of archery equipment, it is a huge accomplishment. Um, deer, elk, anything, is, it's not a small task to kill one with any piece of archery equipment. Um, Rifle hunting, you know, you can be a little longer. We have guys, you know, I don't like to let hunters take shots much over 250 because most people just aren't aren't trained to shoot that far. But um, 
rifle hunting has an advantage, uh, but there's a lot more rifle hunters in the woods than there is archery hunters. And so when you're heading out on an archery trip, um, you know, I think about sometimes with on a fly fishing trip, we might bring a couple, a couple of rods, maybe a couple extra reels, a whole mess of flies. I mean, the gear list goes on and on. And sometimes, too, for, for rifle hunts or bird hunts, you know, you, you may have a backup piece and things like that. But for your typical archery hunt, what is leaving the lodge every day on your back as a client, as a hunter? What am I taking uh, to go with you to have a successful hunt? Most guys have a uh, pretty light pack when you're archery hunting. Probably have a pack with some snacks and a rain jacket in it. Uh, a lot of people carry their quiver on their backpack, six arrows, and then most people just hand carry their bow with in a sling. You know, have a bow sling uh, just carried over their shoulder like a rifle. It's uh, you try to pack pretty light, especially out there. I mean, like I say, you don't want to be carrying forty, fifty pounds around, and you you won't make it far if you're not used to that elevation. And so you haven't said anything about. Um about snakes you know as we get into archery season in the southeast which is early 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 and still hot and humid you know we have mosquitoes to deal with and snakes which sometimes people don't worry about sometimes they're wearing chaps or tall boots what's that like out there or are you just wearing comfortable footwear and you're rolling uh usually wear pretty comfortable so it's not a lot of snakes there uh they have the, the bull snake which is a kind of it's a great big snake but it's not venomous it's kind of runs from you you know when you when you see it now there is some uh rattlesnakes out there but uh i've only ever seen two in 20 years um you know they're just they're just not a lot of snakes and both of them rattled you know to let me know they were there you just just something you don't see much there for some reason well i don't know if this is actually true or not but i had been told out there that that the bull snakes actually um are so territorial and aggressive they either scare away the rattlesnakes or they even will kill them um that's right they will eat a poisonous snake if so they can get a hold of it good for them i'm i'm, I'm all right with that <laughs> yeah <laughs> the voice right there is west lawson i'm bill barty we're talking to david gaston's about some upcoming western hunting and david we're talking a lot about preparation whether it be with our equipment whether it be with who we're going with whether it be where we're going to go seek out whether it's going to be uh stalking on foot or or up in a up in a stand but what about the success of a hunt? Um, how does it work as far as, uh, you know, we field dress, get the meat out, but getting meat back home, if we have a successful hunt, um, what happens then as far as uh, amount, but more importantly, maybe even the meat, getting it back home so we can fill up our cooler here in the Carolinas and enjoy some uh, some nice elk or whatever? Absolutely. I've seen guys bring everything from a truck with a deep freezer in the back to, <laughs> you know, to four or five coolers with, and then they go to, you know, go somewhere and get on some dry ice and pack it. Um, usually the guys that take the meat are your drivers. Um, you know, they drive from wherever they're coming from and they'll take it back with them. Uh, you can ship it. it. It's kind of a big ordeal and costs a good bit of money, but you can ship it. But I would say if you have any inkling, you want to keep uh, your elk meat especially, either come prepared or be prepared to pay a great big shipping bill. Mm. So I'm going to put you on the spot for just a second. So I'm on the Wyoming Game Association website, and I see that looks like uh, you were the guide for a second-place whitetail <laughs> archery 
<laughs> last year, score 131 and 5 eighths, which was significantly larger than the third place, who we won't talk about. Um, yeah. Tell us about that. That's, uh, you know, I mean, you're talking about a state that has uh, significant numbers of, of big animals, and you yeah. guided that. So talk to us about that. That was a, a hunter, Jim Goodyear, a guy I've hunted with a couple times. He's from Pennsylvania. Um, we were on a new lease that a, a guy bought. Uh, he's bought a couple ranches out there, and we were on one of his new leases. And uh, just to tell you the, the backstory, I used to have the handle of First Day Dave on my Instagram because I used to kill a lot on the first day. And I lost it for about six years. I was last day Dave, seemed like, for about six years. <laughs> you got two handles. <laughs> <laughs> we took, uh, me and Jim went, and I told him, you know, we've been seeing some pretty good deer. Man, he was in there on the first morning. He wasn't there 25 minutes after daylight, and he killed that thing on the first morning. I said, man, I'm glad to get my handle back. <laughs> that is, uh, And that's not a small whitetail either. No, that's a good whitetail. Uh, you know, I don't know what the stats are, but if there's 100% of archery hunters, it seems like to me only 30% of them will ever kill a Pope and Young whitetail in their lifetime. Which, so, which, so, which is to say, that is a lot bigger than the deer you see eating your neighbor's flowers. That's right. That's a very I big animal. Pope and Young minimum is 125. So it's, it's not a small feat to kill a Pope and Young whitetail with archery equipment. It's, it surely is not. Well, congratulations on that. It's nice to be on somebody's website bragging about how good you are and how good your client yeah. is. <laughs> if you go back far enough, you can see where I had the second place rifle kill it was 156 and some change oh all right yeah i didn't get that far internet's a little slow right now that's incredible congratulations dave david how how long is this trip going to be as you head out prepare to head out next week uh for some time how long will you get to spend out there and part of that question is regards to altitude and just breadth of a trip well you know now that the the airlines have got kind of busy. There's a direct flight from Charlotte to Rapid City, so I leave at one thirty. No, I leave at one in the afternoon, and I get there at one thirty in the afternoon because we, we lose two hours on the trip, so I don't really lose mm. any time. Um, I'll go next Friday. We'll spend to the September the first scouting, hanging stands, and getting ready for everybody putting out blinds, and then I'll come back after the end of the third hunt on the twenty first of September. Well, thanks for the invite. We'll be out there as soon as we can. It sounds fantastic. Well, come on. Come on anytime. It's an open invitation. <laughs> David Gaskins, tell us how to keep up with your hunt and what, what you have going on, whether uh, whether it be uh, an Instagram handle or whatever. Yeah, you can. I have Instagram. It's, it's, it's actually back to at first day Dave again. Oh, yeah. So you <laughs> earned it back. Yeah, and it just be my name on Facebook. And uh, where I'm going, 7J Outfitters, they have a website. It's a super, super run organization. They have an Instagram and Facebook page, too. So um, it's and a lot of the, you know, there's two or three admins on the page. So we post the whole time we're there. And uh, it's a good time. I really enjoy it. And I'm kind of, I love the Western western lifestyle so it's it's right up my alley all the time well and i would say just by scrolling through the wyoming game association best of uh set uh your outfitter and one or two others have a monopoly on highly successful hunts yeah they do it they do a good job they put you know those guys uh the top three or four outfitters in wyoming they live eat and breathe it 
you know, they want you to come have a good time and they want you to kill a deer. Uh, being that I'm guiding now a lot, it is just as exciting for me now to, to get somebody a Pope and Young Whitetail than it is for me to ever kill one myself. It just, I can't explain it. I don't know what it is about it, but it's something about taking somebody hunting that hasn't had a chance to kill a big whitetail and get them one killed with archery equipment, especially. It's, it's, it's fun. Well, that's nice. Uh, that, that means you're doing the right job when you're hunting through your clients like that. And we'll, uh, yeah. on, on the liner notes for the highlights of the Carolina outdoors, we'll hook up uh, a link to seven day outfitters. And again, for everyone out there, first day, Dave is the yeah. Instagram <laughs> Handle David Gaskins. Will you come back on and give us a little bit of update as we get uh, deeper into the season? If I get some of those winter basketball tickets, I will. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) I think we can make something happen just like that. (laughs) I'll be happy to. David Gaskins, have a great trip out there. In the meantime, a safe trip, and thank you for spending a little bit of time with us here on the Carolina Outdoors. Yes, sir. Good to talk to you both. Off he goes and off we go. But just for a moment, we're going to come back onto the other side. Wes Lawson and Bill Barty, you're listening to the Carolina Outdoors.